Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor of the train, Anthony Smith. That's right. This train is building up ahead of steam each and every day that we are on. So what I want you to do is grab your ticket, get on board, enjoy the ride. This train is going to take you on a journey, turn some corners, and maybe pick up a few passengers along the way. So what do we have on tap for today's episode? Even I don't know that. So the best way to find out is tune in and enjoy the ride of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. And we're about ready to get this train on the track. So stay tuned. It's the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. You're listening to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Sports Talk Podcast. Yes, that's right. It has been a while since you've heard it like this. No interview is set up, but I do have a lot of sports news to get to headlines. Courtesy of Dog Sports. What you have in store? How about let's take 20 years ago? Tom Brady has a confession of it. Oh, in the NBA finds Draymond Green. What did Dray- Draymond Green do? What is it great? Draymond Green hasn't done. So let's just take a deep dive into what is going on in the world of sports as we dive into some of these headlines. First thing I want to look at is this Tom Brady confession, possibly. Tom Brady admits it might have been a fumble in the infamous tuck rule game. Tom Brady is no longer retired, but he's still having his fun in the offseason. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback admitted obvious in a cheeky social media post Thursday morning, following a tell-me-something-honest prompt from Justin Bieber, Brady said what Las Vegas Raider fans have been screaming for the last 20 years. A cruel game against the Raiders. It might have been a fumble. This is everyone. Keep this on the download, please. That was his tweet. That admission will be no comfort for Raider fans who have spent decades stewing over a play that should have sealed a 2001 season AFC divisional playoff game against Brady's New England Patriots. The player on the other side of the play, Brady's college teammate, Charles Wilson, even responded, as did the Raiders. His tweet was, really, at Tom Brady. 
With less than two minutes left and down 13-10, Brady, then a rookie, appeared to fumble on a sack by Woodson, only for the ruling to be overturned on replay review because Brady was tucking the ball back into his body after pump faking a pass. The Patriots would go on to win in overtime and capture their first Super Bowl. It remains one of the most controversial officiating decisions in sports history, receiving the full documentary treatment earlier this year. Brady admitted the surreality of the situation in 2020, calling it a fluke call and saying he understood the hard feelings in Oakland. Here's what he had to say. That was just an unbelievable game. I still see today, and it's a great part of my football history, and it's probably a very sour part of their football history. But that's the way it goes. We had that in 07 when we played against the Giants in the Super Bowl, and in 11 and in 17. One team wins, and one team loses. It's a fluke call on one. It's a fluke call. One ball bounces your way or one goes in the opposite way. I always feel I have some type of strong feeling or emotion toward the Raiders. Again, not much comfort for Raiders and their fans. So now the question remains, as you look back, not that whatever you think can change anything, but was it a fumble or was it a tuck? Like I say, whatever you think, it's not going to change a thing. So what good does it do to think? The fact that Brady is finally saying something after 20 years? Come on now. <laughs> what good is it going to do now? Anyway, moving right along. The NBA finds Draymond Green, 25000 for slipping double bird at Grizzly fans. How many times have we seen this? Not with just Greymon, but for other players doing the same thing. Draymond Green didn't appreciate his Memphis Grizzly fans booing him after an injury. NBA didn't appreciate his response. The league hit the Golden State Warriors for with a $25,000 fine for directing an obscene gesture toward the spectator's stands during Game 2 of the Warriors' second-round series against Memphis. That obscene gesture would be Green flashing the double bird at Grizzlies fans, who were booing him as he walked into the locker room. Incident occurred early in the first quarter of Game 2, just seconds after Grizzlies guard Dylan Brooks knocked out the Warriors' Gary Payton the second for the series with a hard foul that resulted in a fractured elbow. Green was lunging for a loose ball alongside Memphis forward Xavier Tillman, who swung his left arm out and caught Green in the face with a hard elbow. Green immediately fell to the floor while play continued, with no foul called on the play. Once the Warriors were able to call timeout, Green left for the locker room with a bloody right eye. Ouch. On his way out, Green was 
ejected. Game one on a flagrant two foul decided to send a message to Memphis fans. Draymond Green in a tweet from Bill Street Bears at Bill Street Bears. Draymond Green keeping it classy on the way to the locker room in game two. And there's a video of him walking off looking at the bird. Green returned to the game at the start of the second quarter, eventually posting six points, ten rebounds, seven assists, and a 106-101 loss to tie the series. After the game, Green wasn't exactly contrite. He said Grizzlies fans deserved to be flipped off for booing him, for booing an injured player, said it felt really good to do it, and noted how long. How long a five-figure fine is pocket change for a player with his salary? Here's what he said. He said, you're going to boo somebody who got elbowed in the eye and has blood running down his face? You should get flipped off. I'll take the fine. I'll go do an appearance and make up the money. It felt really good to flip them off. You're going to boo someone who got elbowed in the eye? and had blood running down his face, I could have had a concussion or anything. So if they're going to be that nasty, I can be nasty too. I'm assuming the cheers were because they knew I would get fined. Great. I make $25 million a year. I should be just fine. Green's fine wasn't the largest discipline levied for Game 2 as Brooks was suspended for Game 3 due to his foul on Peyton. Game 3 is scheduled for 5.30 p.m. Pacific time on Saturday in San Francisco where the Warriors are 6.5 point favorites to make a 2-1, take a 2-1 lead in the series according to BetMGM. In keeping with that same series, as we mentioned earlier, Grizzlies guard Dylan Brooks suspended for Game 3 against the Warriors. NBA suspended Memphis Grizzlies guard Dylan Brooks one game following his flagrant two on Golden State Warriors guard Gary Payton second in Tuesday's game two of the Western Conference Finals. Brooks swiped his arm across Payton's head on a transition layup attempt early in the first quarter of Memphis' 106-101 victory. Officials deemed the foul unnecessary and excessive. Ejecting Brooks from the game, Peyton, who took a hard foul, hard fall, made one or two free throws before exiting the game. He was diagnosed with a fractured left elbow and scheduled for an MRI. More detailed results on Wednesday. I don't know if it was intentional, but it was dirty, Warriors coach Steve Kerr said after the loss. Playoff basketball is supposed to be physical. Everybody's going to compete. Everybody's going to fight for everything. But there's a code in this league. There's a code that players follow where you never put a guy's season career in jeopardy by taking somebody out in midair and clubbing him across the head and ultimately fracturing Gary's elbow. He broke the code. Dylan broke the code. That's how I see it. Peyton is Golden State's 
best defensive option against Grizzly star John Morant, who scored 44 of his 47 points once the all-star defensive candidate left the game. Peyton had held Morant to 12 points on 4 of 18 shooting in more than 100 possessions in 20 minutes of on-ball defense per the NBA's tracking data. Brooks was Memphis's second leading scorer during the regular season, averaging 18.4 points a game. This ejection was the second in as many games of the series. Warrior star Draymond Green was also assessed in flagrant two for hitting Grizzlies big man Brandon Clark across the face and pulling him to the floor by the collar of his jersey late in the first half of game one. He was not suspended for game two. Brooks' suspension is just the second issue for a foul committed during the playoffs since Green's infamous punch to LeBron James growing at the end of game four in the 2016 NBA Finals. That ban was the result of Green accumulating four flagrant foul points over the course of the playoffs six seasons ago. Then, Washington Wizards wing Kelly Oubre Jr. was suspended for game four of the 2017 Eastern Conference semifinals for charging and shoving Boston Celtics forward. Kelly Olenek in retaliation for a moving screen. Brooks will serve his suspension in Game 3 of their second-round series in Golden State on Saturday. So what I am going to do right here, I am going to take a break. And when I come back, I will have some more news to get to you. So, stay on board because this train is just now going up ahead of steam. Also, as a program, you know, before I get told you right here, this break, my logo will be rebranded and I hope to get the person on that's going to be doing the honors for me. I can't wait to see what the new look is going to look like. I have every confidence in What's supposed to take place, and I'm pretty sure you will like this book too. But hey, it's the A Train Sports Podcast. Get ready to go away and take a break for this. I'll be right back. So, welcome to the A Train Sports Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. This is Tracy, host of the Moonstar Podcast, and you are listening to A-Train. Buckle up, baby, and enjoy the ride. Woo! Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. It is just so good to be back in the mix. Yes, thank you, thank you. 
Cowboys owner Jerry Jones is okay after reported car crash and hospitalization. Cowboys owner Jerry Jones was in a minor car crash on Wednesday and taken to a Dallas area hospital as a precaution, according to multiple reports. Jones is okay, this was confirmed to Yahoo Sports' Charles Robinson. No further details about the collision were immediately available. Jones, 79, is in his 33rd year as owner of the Cowboys. So that is a little briefing right there. Now, some of you may have caught this on TNT. They brought out the Stanley Cup trophy. Charles Barkley refuses to touch Stanley Cup. It's just a rule that I have, he says. North America's favorite sports panel was introduced to the greatest trophy in sports, and it was perfect. During Wednesday's Inside the NBA on TNT broadcast, former NHL player and coach Rick Tochett made an appearance on the show. Bringing along the Stanley Cup and passing around, passing it around the panel. First to get his moment with the cup was Shaquille O'Neal, a Hall of Famer and four-time NBA champion. He hesitated to lift the heavy trophy over his head, hilariously muttering that he has bad shoulders from care. <laughs> yes, I had to get a good laugh on this one has bad shoulders from carrying the Los Angeles Lakers, the Orlando Magic, and the Miami Heat. I have to reference this. God rest his soul to Kobe Bryant would probably beg to differ on who carried the Lakers. Ernie Johnson, the show's host, and the only member of the panel not to play in the NBA, raised the Lord Stanley's mug and exclaimed, Oh man, I'm a Stanley Cup champion. Kenny, the Jet Smith was handed it was handed it next, lifting it high and reliving his moments as a back-to-back champion with the Houston Rockets in the 1990s. Tatcha was preparing to hand the cup to the last member of the panel, Charles Barkley, before he was told not to. Barkley's explanation was simple, and one many sports fans and athletes improperly appreciate. I would never touch a championship trophy, he said. It's just a rule I have. Anybody knows anybody knows that, even if it's not my sport. Barkley, as his fellow panelists often reminded him, 
failed to win a championship during his illustrious 16-year NBA career, an 11-time All-Star, one-time MVP, and Hall of Fame. Chuck fell to Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls in 1993 in his only career finals appearance. Tauchet won the Cup as a player with Pittsburgh Penguins in 1992 and twice as an assistant coach with the Pens in 2016 and 17. The 58-year-old worked as an analyst for the NHL on TNT in the show's inaugural season. The show has been a hit since TNT acquired NHL broadcast rights last summer, replicating the liveliness and humor of their NBA counterpart with co-panelists Liam McHugh, Anson Carter, Paul Bissonette, and Wayne Gresk. In more news, and this is sad news, Georgia high school QB's death at 18 was a mystery. Now his father reveals the cause. The death of Robbie Roper, a high school quarterback from Georgia, who had multiple college scholarship offers and a 3.9 grade point average when he was buried in December, was more than a tragedy. Most people, it also has been a mystery. How did Roper, who is six foot four, two hundred ten pounds, appear to be in excellent health as a senior at Roswell High School, die at the age of eighteen? At the funeral, Robbie's father, James, told the mourners that Robbie did not kill himself and did not die from drug use. James Roper also had denied published reports. Robbie died from complications following shoulder surgery, but he provided no further information for the public. More than four months later, in an interview with USA Today, James Roper said Robbie died from urea sickle disorder, UCD, a rare genetic disorder that can result in elevated blood ammonia levels that become toxic. I just wanted him remembered as a perfect kid, James Roper said, his voice cracking with emotion when asked why he has waited to publicly identify the cause of death. I just didn't want anybody thinking that he had some abnormality when they thought about him. The disorder can be triggered in adulthood by corta. corticosteroids an anti-inflammatory medication or it can be set off by a surgical procedure. Fasting beforehand, anesthesia, and the physical trauma, said Patrick Moore, an attorney who is representing the Roper family. Robbie had shoulder surgery December 14. It's treatable Point, and I think that's why parents want folks to know, Moore said. Robbie died December 22nd at UF Health Shands Hospital in Gainesville, Florida. James Roper said the family was previously unaware Robbie had the disorder until it was diagnosed by doctors at Shands Hospital. The weekend before Robbie's death, he traveled from his family's home 
Georgia to St. Augustine, Florida, about 75 miles from Gainesville, for a family reunion, according to James Roper. He was fine, James Roper said. He was on the beach, laughing, and carrying on, and having a good time on Saturday. Then Sunday, he started throwing up, and we just thought he had a stomach flu or something. You know, you don't rush to the hospital just for throwing up. On Monday morning, when Robbie's condition had worsened, his mother took him to an urgent care center where they told Robbie, where they were told Robbie needed to be treated at a hospital, according to James Roper. James Roper and Robbie said Robbie was cared for at two hospitals, and the medical staff at the first said they thought Robbie had taken drugs despite the family's insistence that Robbie did not use drugs. The whole time he's there, they're saying that he's on drugs, said James Roper, who declined to identify the hospital by name. And so they did tests, and drugs weren't showing up because he wasn't a drug user of the kid. He called all of his friends and asked, what did he use? And all of them said they'd never seen Robbie touch a drug. I mean, the kid was a straight arrow 3.9 GPA. All the kid wanted to do all his life every day was play football and play Xbox. He never really hung out with friends and went to parties and all that. He was just a real quiet kid. Tests showed Robbie's ammonia level was four times higher than normal, and Robbie's mother told the medical team that her father had been in the same hospital a year ago for elevated ammonia levels, James Roper said. But the focus remained on possible drug use before the hospital had Robbie Roper airlifted to Shan's hospital. But Roper said his son was diagnosed with urea cycle disorder, OTC. UT, UTC, the specific urea cycle disorder Robbie had, is passed on by one's mother. James Roper said Robbie's mother, Jennifer, and sister, Bree, were hesitant to talk for the story and neither responded to requests for comment. Robbie underwent dialysis, but James Roper said it was too late because the medical team at the first hospital focused so intently on the assumption Robbie had taken drugs. If they would have been more aggressive in putting him on dialysis, he'd probably still be alive, James Roper said. On December 21st, Robbie was put on life support, according to James Roper, who said he then called the father of Robbie's girlfriend, Annie Bowers, a cheerleader at Roswell High School, with the update. Annie and her parents flew down that same day, said Annie's father, Johnny Bowers. On the morning of December 22nd, Annie was holding Robbie's hand when they removed him from life support, according to her father. They didn't start dating until September. Johnny Bauer said, adding that Robbie was Annie's first serious boyfriend. They were together for a very short period of time, but they were together around the clock. Though her father, through her father, Annie Bowers declined to comment. As news of Robbie's death spread, it sent a shudder through the world of football. He had captured the attention of fans and coaches with his unlikely story. Entering his senior year at Roswell High School, 
Robbie had zero scholarship offers. Then came the 2021 season when Roper led Roswell High to a 10-3 record in the final top 10 ranking in Georgia's Class 7A. He passed 3,010 yards and 37 touchdowns despite tearing the labor in his non-throwing shoulder early in the season. He had shoulder surgery in Atlanta eight days before he headed to Florida for the family reunion. By that point, he had scholarship offers from Massachusetts, Moorhead State, Morgan State, and Western Carolina. But what left Robbie more excited, James Roper said, was a phone call with Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin and a text message from Florida coach Billy Napier expressing their interest in Robbie. He was extremely excited, James Roper said. James Roper said he later heard from Napier. He called me while he was still in the hospital and left his wishes and everything and said he had texted Robbie the day before, Roper said. Rick Hutado, director of football communications at Florida, confirmed the phone call. Coach Napier never met Robbie, Herodo said. However, he was extremely sorry to hear about Robbie's passing, so he decided to call his dad to offer his condolences. Brad Sheffield, Director of Communications for Florida at Communications, Director of Communications for Football at Ole Miss, said Kiffin had offered Robbie a preferred walk-on spot, guaranteeing him a place on the roster and a chance to earn his scholarship the following year. Chances to play for Ole Miss had special appeal because Robbie's sister, Bree, played softball at the school. After Robbie's death, she changed her jersey number from 21 to number 5, the number Robbie wore at Roswell. Bree, a graduate student, has started all 51 games and hit four home runs this season. After each home run, she paid tribute to her brother by circling the bases with five fingers from each hand held high. At home plate, Bree's teammates greeted her with the same five-finger salute. There have been other tributes. The Ropers received an honorary athletic scholarship from Georgia Southern sent by school's football coach Clay Helton and athletic director Jared Benko. James Roper said he wants his son to be remembered as more than a football player and recounted a story Robbie's personal trainer told at the funeral. Robbie worked out in a sleeveless hoodie, and a young man with autism who worked out at the same time started showing up with his own sleeveless hoodie. During the eulogy at the funeral, the trainer said that Robbie would talk to the young man and help him during the workouts. So he was so much more than a football player, James Herper said. He was so smart and athletic and kind. He was such a sweet, sweet kid. So, this is the article of what happened with Robbie and how his passing actually happened because of complications from a very rare disease. But you could tell there was an impact that he made on lives and how he wants to be remembered, how his father wants him to be remembered. So 
to do now is I am going to go ahead on that note and go ahead and bring this train into the station. It's good to be back in the station. Hope you have enjoyed this podcast. And yes, there will be so much more to come in the days to come, in the weeks to come, in the months to come. I'm just happy to be back on board and glad to have you on as my passengers. So until the next time, take care of yourself. And be blessed. I promise you, I will not be this long. In fact, it's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. I'm out. Thank mm-hmm. you.